Lord God, we thank you for your word, which is truth, which brings us closer to you. So fill our heart this morning with your word. Guide us in truth to Christ Jesus. Amen. So our journey in Ruth is an interesting journey. You know, often when we take a look at the Old Testament, we think of the people in the Old Testament and they're such towers of faith or they're just such historical people. But what you find really when you dig into these accounts is that these are real people with real feelings of faith or not of faith who are struggling. They don't know how everything is going to end. And so they are living their lives day by day, moment by moment, going forward. And some of them react differently to different circumstances. And we have that in our account of Ruth. So Naomi reacts differently, and she becomes bitter and empty. And yet Ruth becomes filled by faith. And I think that's how it is for a lot of people today. There are a lot of people, I think, like Naomi, who are dealing with the circumstances in life right now, and they have become empty or even bitter. So today, if I was going to encapsulate the whole message today, it's actually pretty straightforward, but I think very important. That if you are dealing with hardships and suffering, and have become empty. Take heart. By faith, cling to the grace of God in Christ Jesus and be filled with him. And that's really the message for today. So let's go through and continue in our study of Ruth and learn. It's going to be a journey from empty to filled. We are going to start with verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi had been gone from Bethlehem for 10 years. That's a long time, right? And going back to Bethlehem, you have to remember, Bethlehem was not a big town. It was a very small town, almost more like a village. And you know, in small towns or villages, everybody knows everybody. And gossip travels very quickly. And people are saying, I heard Naomi was back. Oh, yes, I heard Naomi was back. Did you hear that too? Oh, yes, I did. Did you know that she lost her husband and her sons? Oh, what a shame, what a shame. That must be awful. I mean, the, the sense of the word stirred up is that there was a lot of murmuring going on. And so they're gathered around, and most likely somebody, one of the women in the back of the crowd said, is that Naomi? And Naomi responds, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now the name Naomi, by the way, means pleasant. 
but because of the circumstances that she has gone through, she does not have that as her identity in the Lord. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. This actually references something that was said in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, they named it Marah, bitter. So my question this morning is how many of you have dealt with a circumstance in your life, a hardship that has left you bitter? I mean, you expected one thing to happen and it did not happen the way you expected or wanted and the whole experience has left you bitter. And what happens when you start to drink from that cup of bitterness again and again? You see, there was a a man that I knew. He was a friend. And and by the way, he was a brilliant man, smart man and an arrogant man. And there were circumstances in his life that did not go how he expected, and he was smarter than everybody else, and he became very, very bitter. And he kept drinking from that cup of bitterness again and again. And he didn't have many friends left. So I would call him. I'd talk to him every couple of weeks, I would call him. But each time he would just keep drinking and nursing and sharing his cup of bitterness with me. And after a while, I dreaded those conversations because they went on for like an hour where I would just listen to all of this. And after a while, I couldn't take it because it was starting to affect my heart. You see, this man kept drinking and nursing that cup of bitterness so much that he emptied himself from love, from material things, and from people and relationships. He had very few left. And finally, one day, I just said, I can't do this anymore. If you want to continue sharing in this way, I just, I I can't be your friend. And he got very angry and hung up. And I, uh, to this day, I, I don't know what happened to him. I've looked for him, I've searched for him, and I don't know what happened. See, continually drinking from that cup of bitterness leaves everyone an empty shell of a person. Naomi, changing her name to Mara, reflects not only that bitterness, but the emptiness that she feels. She said, I went away full, and the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So when she talks about going away full, it means really in the context that she went away with a husband and sons. But now she has come back as a widow, as a mother without children. She's empty, and she believes that the Lord is punishing her. Now, she not only uses the name Yahweh, the Lord, but she also says the Almighty has punished me. And this is the name Shaddai. Yahweh Shaddai, 
the Lord God Almighty, who has all power, is punishing me. And that's how a lot of people feel. And they become bitter because of that. But what's behind this bitterness? I think if you start to ask people and you start to peel away the layers, I think you will find this. I think that behind the bitterness is the understanding that God must be merciful in all of your circumstances, in your time and in your way. Not God that will be merciful, but he must be merciful in all circumstances in how I want him to be merciful. And if he's not merciful in the way and manner that we desire, then God must be against us, right? I think when you start to ask people, and there's a lot of people I've talked to, they have that, why didn't God do it the way I wanted to do it? But it is, we must remember, it is not our way, but God's way, right? It's not our time, but God's timing in all of this. What does it say in Isaiah chapter 55? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. His timing, his way, his story, his glory. See, we can't, we live day by day, right? Minute by minute. We don't have the full plan out there. Now, if you have read the book of Ruth, you know this, that God was using all of the circumstances for his plan of salvation in Christ Jesus, working through Ruth and Naomi. God was working through Ruth and Naomi for his plan of salvation in Christ Jesus. Did they know that? No. They didn't know all of God's plans. They were focused on the here and now. And one, Naomi responded with bitterness, Ruth with faith. You see, we must always trust God no matter the circumstances. And look, the circumstances in America are not good right now. The things that I talked about in the announcements are not good right now. And there are a lot of people who are going to be leaving the faith because of these circumstances. Because God isn't acting the way that they want him to. But we must be like Ruth. We must be like even Job. Job, who had his family taken away from him, his wealth taken away from him. He said this, chapter 1, Naked I came from the womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And then he says this, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job had faith no matter what. Paul had faith no matter the circumstances, thus he could rejoice. And you and I must have a living faith, trusting in God that he will provide and protect. A living faith. Let's continue on in our text here. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. 
And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the clan of Lamelech. So we've been studying in the book of James a living faith, right? A faith that lives. And what is a living faith? A living faith is a faith that takes action. See, we know that we are to help the poor and the widows and those who are hungry and those who are naked and those who need shelter. We know all of that, but a living faith actually takes action on it, doesn't it? But do you know what a living faith also does? A living faith takes action on the promises of God even without evidence. A living faith says, I trust God and his promises, even though the full evidence is not before me. So Ruth trusted, by faith, Ruth trusted that the Lord would provide for the poor and the widow. She trusted in his promises. Well, where are those promises found? That the Lord would provide for those who are in need. Well, those promises are actually found in your favorite book of the Old Testament. Do you remember what your favorite book of the Old Testament is? We've talked about this before. Your favorite book of the Old Testament is Leviticus. Yes, indeed. Come on, here we go. Leviticus. You didn't, you didn't remember that, right? Leviticus chapter 19. You know this particular quote. The quote is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know that, right? You didn't even know that you were quoting Leviticus. Now you can impress all your friends. You go, hey, my favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. And they'll kind of go, what? But that phrase, that verse comes at the end of a very long section of commandments of what it means to love your neighbor. This is how it begins. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner, I am the Lord, your God. Look, you were to plant and then grow and then leave some of your harvest for those who were in need. This was a commandment of the Lord, thus ensuring that those who were in need could actually get the food. God gave a commandment to provide so that they could glean Ruth was trusting and living out by faith that there would be food by gleaning. This was an act of faith on her part and an act of faith that there would be a redeemer kinsman for her, somebody who would give her favor. You see, 
What does faith always seek? This is a good question. What does faith always seek? Faith is always seeking grace. This is what faith actually seeks. Faith seeks grace. Ruth was looking for favor of the person who owned that land. Now, the word favor can also be translated as grace. And so she was looking for grace for her sustenance, that she would have food to eat. And do you remember, I've said this many times, what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And so when we seek by faith, we are seeking something that we don't deserve. And that's why it's called grace. And you and I seek much more than just physical food or physical sustenance. By grace, we seek him who gives food that lasts for eternity. We seek by, by grace, by faith, we seek the grace of Christ Jesus. Gospel of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Look, you and I, if we but just glean from the Bible and go through the Bible and nourished upon these words ourselves, we would find the grace of Christ Jesus and we would be filled by his grace. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So let's talk about being filled by grace. Chapter two, verse four. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came. And she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So we find that Boaz is portrayed in a godly light. He talks about the Lord blessing them, right? Yahweh blessing them. It could have been a simple greeting, but we find throughout the story, the account of Ruth, that is much more than that. We find that Boaz is a man who is righteous, standing upright before the Lord. He is also a man of compassion because he knew about Naomi. He knew about Ruth. And then even though she was a Moabite, right outside of the nation of Israel, a foreigner, he still gave her favor. And now I want you to listen closely. 
How does grace work in this situation? Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessel and drink what the young men have drawn. So how does grace work in this situation? First is that grace seeks you out. Notice that Ruth did not come to Boaz, but Boaz came to her and offered her favor. She had not asked, but he gave her favor. And grace also provides and protects for you, provides and protects you. Boaz instructs the young woman, he instructs Ruth to keep close to the young woman. So not only will she get the most out of her gleaning, right? She will be provided with the most amount of food. But he has also said that the young men are not to touch her. Because remember, she is younger. She's also a widow. She is a woman. She is a, a foreigner. And thus she would have been very low on the social scale. And because she would have been so low on the social scale, there would have been a greater chance even of some harm or molestation coming upon her. But Boaz, the one who gives grace, provides and protects her. So let me ask you, is this not what the grace of our Lord does for us? First of all, the grace of God comes to you. Most people think they are seeking God's grace, but it is God's action coming to you. Christ came to the world for us. It is always God, the greater, coming to man who is in need. That is the direction that grace comes. And grace comes to us in Christ Jesus, not because we deserve it, but because of the love of God. And because of the love of God, Jesus was a propitiation for our sins. That's grace. That's love. That's the favor of God coming to us. Grace seeks you out. And grace also provides. What does the grace of God provide? What provides you, as you know, the greatest gift you could ever have, which is eternal life with Christ Jesus. You shall never be hungry. She'll never be thirst. You shall be made new again. And what does the grace of God protect you from? It protects you from damnation in hell. So this is the grace that is given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, Ruth is there before Boaz. as an alien, as a stranger, without anything to offer. And she's given this wonderful grace. How would you react if you were given such grace? If you were given such a gift? It says this, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? How does grace respond 
The same way Ruth responds with humility and gratitude. We should all fall at the feet of our Lord and Savior saying thank you that we have found favor in his eyes, that we have received such a gift. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since her death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how have you left your father and mother and your native land and come to a people that you do, did not know before? The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward will be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. So Boaz recounts all of the things that Ruth has done for Naomi, right? Now, is Naomi simply repaid for her good deeds? You could read the story that way, couldn't you? The account that she's just repaid for her good deeds. But it is greater thing that for which she's been repaid. It is for her faithfulness, for following God and his commandments. Are we not to honor our mother and father? and to take care of them in need? And then coming and saying, you, your God shall be my God, a faith in Yahweh. You see, God repays all of those who come by faith. He repays them with his favor, with his grace. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. You can hear the outpouring of her heart in this, can't you? That she has found such great comfort during her time of need, during a time of hardship. See, ultimately, grace gives us comfort even to those who seem to be the furthest away from grace. This is the account today. It is the account of a person who started empty and bitter. But then we are see in Ruth, a woman who has, by faith, been filled with grace and has found that comfort. Again, the message it's pretty simple this morning. If you have been filled with bitterness or emptiness right now by the circumstances in our lives, in our time, in our country, by faith cling to the cross of Christ Jesus and be filled with his grace. So as you ponder this this week, ponder these questions. Are you nursing a cup of bitterness if so, I ask you to please put it down. It does you no good. Are you living by faith? And by a living faith, I mean, are you actively taking action on the promises of God, even when it seems that there is no evidence in front of you? And throughout all of this, are you seeking to receive his grace? Let's pray. Lord God, Gracious God, we thank you for your love for us. And we know that it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can seek you. So we ask that through the Holy Spirit, 
Lift us up. Give, our, give us ever greater faith so that we may humbly fall at your feet, thanking you for your grace. Amen.